us and leading us and guiding us in all manner of godliness in the ways of the Lord. May we walk with you. May you fill us. May you lead us. May you guide us. May we live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, as Paul teaches in Galatians. In Jesus' name, amen. We try to wind up in Galatians, so I don't know if we'll wind up there next week or the following, but we'll try to. So let's go to Acts chapter 19. We talked about, <clears throat> we were off last week because I was out all night the night before uh, with the situations, but um, we talked about before about the Holy Spirit and how he came in his fullness in Acts, that the Holy Spirit was here in the Old Testament, but not in the same measure that he was given in the New Testament. His availability at moments and seasons in the Old Testament, and now basically we, we take the Holy Spirit home with us. And so uh, <clears throat> we talked about the gifts the last time in Romans 12. We're going to talk about the, this moment how the Holy Spirit is offered to these guys here in Acts chapter 19. Then we'll go to 1 Corinthians 12 and talk about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit today. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Of course, we know a major church was planted there in Ephesus. Paul wrote a letter to Ephesus, to the Ephesians. Uh, and I think Ephesus is mentioned there in, Corinthians, or in Revelation as well. So they said he found some disciples up there. And he said to them, he found some believers. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And that, that's probably the lot for a lot of Christians today even. They may be in circles where the Holy Spirit's not taught, where the Holy Spirit's not recognized. They don't, all they know is Jesus really. Um, and like I said, we have both ends of the spectrum. We have those who are afraid of the Holy Spirit or don't recognize the Holy Spirit, one or other, or maybe both. And then we have those who get in the flesh and do anything they want to do and, and blame it on the Holy Spirit. So we're trying to find that balance here, right, of, of who the Holy Spirit really is. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Uh, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Now, there's more going on here than just who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is. Before Jesus was manifested, Israel was being called to repent and return to God. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He was saying, hey, you guys need to repent. Remember, he wouldn't baptize them. And this kind of maybe clears up baptism, this and what Paul said, uh, to understand that baptism is important, that it is a part of our testimony, but the dividing line is where people make it salvific. So, in other words, you couldn't get baptized by John the Baptist. Some people say, well, I got, if you heard this before, well, I got baptized when I was young. Yeah, but what did that mean? Did you repent? Did you ask you? And John said, I'm not baptizing you unless you repent first. This water don't change you. Your heart has to be changed. Remember I was talking about Sunday about the difference between the trespass offering and the sin offering. The trespass offering deals with the deeds we know we've done wrong, but the sin offering deals with the internal condition. 
you, our sin could manifest itself in a thousand different ways. But that's only an outward manifestation of what was decided inside where the heart's at. And that's why God gave them a trespass offering and a sin offering. Now, in Christ, we have all that. I understand that. But to understand, there's two things going on. Yeah, our deeds show sinful activity when we go against God. But that sinful activity, Jesus said, comes from inside of us. It's out, the, the, out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. So then, um, so these guys are, so John the Baptist is baptized, and then all of a sudden what happens? Jesus shows up to one of his baptisms. Now, we know Jesus don't need, he don't need saved, right? He don't have to ask for forgiveness, right? He, he didn't do any wrong, but he still submits to baptism, right? As a pattern for us and as uh, obeying the Father and submitting to righteousness, it's basically, I'm going to say this, and I know things get hijacked, but it's basically baptism is our coming out party. We're saying to the world, hey, we're not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus. We've given our hearts to him. We've repented. We've asked him to come in our heart, and we're stepping out on the world scene as a new creation, right? That's what, that's what baptism is, that symbol that all this work's already been done inside of us. And we're, now we're announcing ourselves to the world. We get baptized. We're saying, hey, we're followers of Jesus. We're not ashamed of it. We've repented. We've asked him to be our Savior. Jesus, well, that was basically Jesus' introduction to the world as the Messiah. So that was used in a similar way for a different reason. John the Baptist was from the priesthood. And so it was, the priests are the ones who had to identify the lamb that was going to be used by God or, or to satisfy God, which is really the way it should be said. So John the Baptist, who's part of the priesthood or is part of that line, announces, here's the lamb of God. Here's God's lamb. Here's the one that's sinless. Here's the one. So Jesus, was. it was like his showing, his coming out to the world and saying, hey, I'm the lamb. So John was baptizing, calling people to repent before he would baptize them. Then when you get on over, Paul talks about baptism. And if baptism was, and I'm using a crazy word, I know, salvific. That's just a theological term. It means this thing is essential to be saved or you cannot be saved. Well, when you get over in Corinthians, Paul starts talking about baptism. He said, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. He said, for God, now listen, this is the number one apostle in the history of the world. He wrote most of the New Testament, just about all of it. He said, for God did not send me to baptize. Now that's a big statement because that's basically saying if, sal if baptism was salvific, he would have never said that. That would have been his goal. My goal was to get everybody in the water. His goal was, he said, I wasn't sent to do that. I was sent to preach the gospel. That's what changes the hearts of men, is the gospel. And when our hearts get changed, when we get confronted with the gospel and we repent of our sins, then we go to the water as an act of identification. We are no longer the old man's dead, the new man's alive. We are in Christ. So all that, because all that was going on, right? They're repenting, they're ba again baptized. You've heard me say before, baptism and communion was going on in the Old Testament. It was going on prior to the law even, just like tithing. So people who argue things about 
that's not New Testament doctrine or that's the Old Testament. You've got to understand the law was given after all these things were already going on. What was happening before the law? They were living by faith. The law came as a schoolmaster to say, you can't get to God by yourself. You need a Savior and you're, you're, you can't keep the law. You can't do God's commands without the help. So, the, so faith was here with Abraham and beyond. The law came, then we're back to faith at the cross. But tithing, communion, washings, if you want to call it, baptisms, all that was going on prior to the law. So these, these, it's not nothing new in the New Testament. And he says, but the identification of who, what it was about, Jesus. And, and he said to them, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, again, we know what Jesus told us in the gospel, right? He said, you go make disciples and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. And then we'll come back to where we're at here in just a second. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 2, when we read this where the Holy Spirit came, uh, 2 and 38, I believe, is where we're going to go. Now, notice the language here. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it starts with repentance, then comes baptism, and then the offering of the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you what is going on here. These people were being called because Jesus has not gone over the whole world. He just spent his time in a small portion of the world. So what you have is you have people who do not know, because we didn't have newspapers and the internet, they did not know that the Messiah had come and gone. Now, we take it for granted, right? Jesus spent his life in a small circle, unlike Paul who traveled a lot. Jesus came, the Bible says, for the lost house of Israel. Paul said he was raised up to go to the Gentiles. So the Messiah has come and gone at the point of Pentecost. Jesus said that he had to go away. He sent the Holy Spirit's coming in this same chapter, in His fullness. The Messiah's come and gone. Everybody don't know that. But a lot of them had already, because John had been around so long, they had been given to John, what we call John's baptism. And there on the tail end of his baptism, he's the one who identifies the Messiah, the Lamb. So here's what's going on. you got all these people repenting. To the Father, to God. All right, we have all these prophecies about the Messiah. They have come to pass, but not everybody knows it. But they had heard about John's baptism, many of them had, right? So they were repenting, but they hadn't embraced the Messiah or the Holy Spirit because they hadn't been given that information at that point. The Bible's not written. You understand that? There's no Bible except for the Old Testament. The New Testament's not been put together at this point. They're actually living the New Testament. Then they start writing later around the 50s and the 60s 
and the 70s. But right here on Pentecost, we're just 50 days out of Jesus being gone. So we're still in the 30s. The first New Testament books we have started in the 50s A.D. So we're 20 years away from starting to see the Bible even being put together. They have no television, no telephones, no internet. So you got some people know the Messiah's come and gone in the regions where he was at, but that stuff had to spread. How did it spread? It spread according to the book of Acts here after they, the Holy Spirit come and they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with tongues and they spoke, every man heard it in their own language. That's when they were hearing the message of the Messiah. Now the Bible says everybody from all regions of the earth were there so they were hearing the gospel in their language, and they, they were called to take it out, right? So that was the first miracle we see the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, is that he spoke through these people in a language they didn't understand, but it was coming out to the people who could understand it. I mean, that is the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're t that, that's the difference between the gifts and the manifestations that we'll discern here, hopefully, today. So they're, they're being baptized. They're actually repenting. They're believing on God, but they haven't heard about the Messiah. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul and them is introducing them to that. That's what's happening here. These guys had, see, they said back in Acts chapter 19, he said, uh, we, we submitted to John's baptism. So basically they, they were believers on God. They were waiting for the Messiah. They hadn't probably heard that the Messiah had come and gone. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that we should believe on him who would come after him, that is the Christ. So he was calling people to repentance, getting them ready to receive the Messiah. They hadn't heard. They didn't have the knowledge of the Messiah come and gone. Now I'm flipping back and forth. So over here in 2 and uh, 38, he says, uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not contradictory. Here's what I want, because you're going to run in. If you live in Kentucky, you're going to run into those people who say, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name only, <laughs> you're not baptized right. I mean, there's a group like that. That's not what's going on. These people didn't know the Messiah had come and gone. And so what Paul is identifying, and Peter, he's saying, you need to believe that the Messiah is your Savior. Jesus told us, said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter's not contradicting that. He's just come into those people who knew who God was, believed on God, did not know that the Messiah had come and done his part. Now he's saying, you've got to bring the Messiah into your life because he's come and fulfilled the prophecies, the will of God. Same thing Paul's dealing with here in Acts 19. He's saying... Uh, that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they, they're bringing the Messiah in because his work's fulfilled now. And when Paul had laid hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So now you see that, right? You see the, the let me show you this. You see the fulfillment of Acts 2 and 38 here with Paul. And when Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, he wasn't excluding the Father, the Holy Spirit. He wasn't giving us a new way to baptize because we don't trump anything that Jesus says with something the apostle says. Jesus said, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He wasn't doing, he wasn't saying, here's the new way. He was saying, the Messiah has come. You got to understand his work and receive him as part of God. That's what he was trying to get across. Then they said, uh, and then he said, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Peter was saying is what we see happening here in the book of Acts. And that, that's, now that's the kickoff in Acts here is the kickoff of this new dimension of the Holy Spirit. And so, as I have said before, the Holy Spirit was, he was around. In fact, Paul gives him credit for speaking through Isaiah. So the Holy Spirit was for a moment or a season or a task he was active. He was here in creation, according to Genesis chapter 1. So the Holy Spirit's always been around. But what changed on Pentecost is that now the Holy Spirit is offered to us to take home, basically. The Holy Spirit can be ours. He don't just come for a moment for, like he did with Samson. He rested on Samson. Samson had the power of the Holy Spirit, and it manifested itself in a natural way with him. So he packed the city gates off and, and he tied, what was it, 300 or 1,000 foxes' tails together. I mean, he was supernatural when, in that moment when the Holy Spirit would come upon him. Isaiah would prophesy and speak the word of God when the Holy Spirit came on him. The Bible says the Holy Spirit gifted and anointed those guys to build the tabernacle. So the Holy Spirit was at work. But what happened after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, he went home with us. In other words, we have him with us constantly, not just occasionally. That's what changed. So now the Holy Spirit can guide us, lead us, all that kind of stuff. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And notice we'll, we'll uh, see some of the things that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. Now, the word gifts is italicized there in chapter 12, verse 1. So we're going to read it without that, as it would read in the Greek. And we're going to talk about gifts, which we talked about last week or week before in Romans. And then we're going to talk about these manifestations That he's going to mention here in 1 Corinthians 12, which we also call gifts. I don't want to argue that, but just I want you to see the difference between what's going on in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now concerning spirituals, that's how it would say it in the Greek, things of the spirit. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols. So he's kind of putting us in our place. However you were led, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the name of God who works all in all. But, and when you see a but... In the scripture, he's going to, talk, he's going to change uh, directions on us. But the manifestation of the Spirit 
is given to each one for the profit of all. So now we, those gifts we were given, we were stewards over in Romans 12. If we remember those from two weeks ago, the gifts, you can go back and check those out. Romans 12, the gifts and people in the body of Christ are gifted differently. A gift is something you become a steward over. That you are to cultivate that, grow in that, and to dispense it as God gives opportunity. A manifestation is different than a gift in the fact that we are not stewards over it. We are used by the Holy Spirit and we may never be used like that again. For instance, what we just read in Acts chapter 2. I'll, I'll, I'll venture to say it was rare, if at all, that those 120 people were ever used like that again. To speak and where that person in another language would hear it in their language. Now we know that there are tongues and interpretations of the, 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 what's the word, the tongue of the Spirit or the language of the Spirit. But that was a little different in the fact that these 120 people were speaking and everybody heard it in their own language. That probably never happened again. It, it could have. I'm not saying it. I'm not, but that, that's how the manifestation of the Holy Spirit works. In other words, look what he says. He says, uh, given each one a prophet offer, one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. I'm going to give you the, understand that in a minute. Another is a word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Well, what would be different? about a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. First thing you got to understand, what are we talking about? Spirituals. They're supernatural. These are supernatural moments. And the Holy Spirit may come in and use one of us in these manifestations. So here's the difference between the word of wisdom and a word of, of knowledge. A word of knowledge is for the present. A word of wisdom is for the future. This is how these are described in the Greek language. In other words... Let's say, and I've had these happen in my life. I've had people use them on me, and I've been using them. But let's just say uh, a word of wisdom would be like if God came to you and said, okay, a friend of mine who's in the ministry in 2006 or, or 2007, he said he was praying one day, and the Holy Spirit said, take all your money out of the market and set it on the sideline." Because God knew what was coming in 2008, didn't he? Now, see, that's the kind of access we have. That's why we shouldn't just bumble through the day and, think, and not listen to the Holy Spirit. Because he will talk to us. And he will help us. And he, he, he was in the ministry. And he had, I think he told me he had $50,000 in the market through his retirement. And he said he didn't lose a penny. Because the Holy Spirit spoke. Now, it's not the Holy Spirit won't speak to all of us. It's, it's whether we'll take time and listen. And sit still and say, I'm not going to get up and answer that phone because I'm talking to the Lord. And it's, whatever's going on that phone is not as important as me talking to the Lord. So that's where we've got to discipline ourselves and say, hey, God, we want to hear your voice. So that's a word of wisdom. It's something future. God spoke to him and said, I want you to do this because something you don't know. Remember that, that message a few months ago? God's already been around the corner before we get there. God knew what was coming in 2008. So he saved him, he saved him a lot of trouble. But he's in tune. He spends time in prayer. You, you get the message. A word of knowledge, is that's a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge is for the moment. So you all probably, all of us have experienced this. We probably all experienced the word of wisdom. But a word of knowledge, I'll give you an example of that. When I was on my way back to college, and I was serving the Lord and was serious, 
I was driving, taking both sides of the road because it was dark, right? You, you go those country roads, you can. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I had the radio going and everything. He, he come in anyway, you know. He spoke to me and said, slow down and get as far over as you can. And I just, I'm like, but I knew I'd heard it, right? It wasn't audible, but I heard that. And it was, the reason I knew it was the Lord is because I wasn't thinking anything like that, right? I mean, the, and so I did exactly what I heard in my spirit, man. And as soon as I got over, there was a hill, kind of like a blind hill, where you probably couldn't see over, and I probably wasn't paying his attention. And as soon as I did and got over, there was an ambulance top that hill, taking both sides of the road, flying with his lights on. And if I hadn't listened to the Holy Spirit, I would have hit that guy head on. So that's a word of knowledge. That's a moment. That's a word for now. A word of wisdom is maybe God shares something with you that's coming down the road. A word of knowledge is when you get something for the moment, for the now. I, I heard this testimony of a guy who was flying from Hawaii back to the States or vice versa. And he, he was a solid believer. And this stuff don't get put on the news because it would make people believe in God. So the devil don't want that. But he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to change seats. And he said, I, I didn't really want to change seats on an airplane. He said, I knew the stewardess wouldn't be happy about it. And he said, but the Holy Spirit just kept pressing him to change seats. And he said, so I changed seats. And he said, the stewardess was aggravated. And he said, I, we finally got my seat situated. And said, and if you'll remember, that was the flight that a piece of the plane come off of. And the stewardess was sucked out of the airplane in midair. He said, that's where I was sitting. That's a word of knowledge. How important is it to hear from God in the moment? I'll tell you another word of knowledge. It's when Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his son. And God spoke to him right in the moment and said, don't do it. Right? What if Abraham was been so stubborn that he said, the last thing I heard was this. Right? That's why we need to hear from the Spirit. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit can navigate us. He may, this may have been a word for yesterday. And this may be a word for today. And that's the beauty of now having the Holy Spirit not just around for a moment, but taking him home with us. You can hear from, and I'm sure many of you have done this, because I know how everybody I'm looking at this room, and some of you that are watching and listening, that the Holy Spirit wakes you up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. He's talking to you. He's giving you something to pray about, or he's showing you something that you need to know. Or, and, and I think that's going to be so much more important in these last days. Because not only will it help us, but it'll help our families. It'll help the people that, that are in our circles. If somebody's hearing from God so then the next manifestations he said to another one uh, uh, faith by the same spirit so we're talking about supernatural faith where it says silver and gold I don't have but such as I have I get a, give unto you take your bed up and walk that's what Peter did remember after the Holy Spirit came on those guys they their faith and they were used in supernatural moments because their faith would come up to the moment right and that's happened to me sometimes in altars when I've prayed for people. It's beyond the normal faith. It's a supernatural injection of faith where the Holy Spirit causes you to believe, right? It's beyond what you would normally do. <clears throat> Somebody came up with their child several years ago, and they had a tumor the size of an egg on it. And, on the, and you could see it. It looked just like an egg on the side of their neck. And I started praying, and when I started praying... You know, I saw, I saw this. I closed my eyes and I saw red lightning. That's what it looked like to me. It's the best way I can see. Red lightning coming out of the sky and hitting that little child's neck. And I had my hand on its neck. One hand was covering the 
the tumor. And I knew before I ever opened my eyes, I knew that the Lord had done it. So I proclaimed it. I stepped out with more faith. And I said, you are healed in Jesus' name. And that tumor was gone as soon as we got done praying. Now, sometimes people get healed after, for, down the road, right? We see evidence of Some people get healed instantly. Some people get healed later. Some people wake up well, right? Some people go and dip in the river seven times. Some people see men as trees and then a little more and a little more and a little more and their eyes are open. I mean, we see evidence of God don't do everything the same way. That's where the side of the, the uh, Holy Spirit that people got, the ones that believed in the Holy Spirit in, this, in our church movements, they got mixed up because they decided, for whatever reason, that God did it that way the last time. He must be going to do it the same way. And that's where Pentecostals got messed up. They tried to cookie cut God and say, well, he done it this way the last time, so he's going to do the same thing. No, that, that's not how God does anything. Who, I, I would have probably been blown away if I'd have been standing there that day and Jesus spit on the ground and made mud pies and rubbed that guy's eyes. That would have probably weirded me out. Right? You're thinking, and one time he took spit off of him and put it on the guy's tongue. Jesus did. Now you, you start thinking about that stuff and you're thinking, whew, you know, I don't, I'm not so critical on people who were standing by watching as I am now. What would you have done if Jesus would have took some spit off of his tongue and put it on somebody else's tongue? Would that have weirded you out? What if he had put mud on somebody's eye? I'm running out of time, but let me run through. We'll come back here next week. He, said, he says, uh, another uh, gifts of healing. So that's beyond. That's a su- these are supernatural manifestations when the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, lest, lest we get, I want to bring myself, whatever. I have prayed for people before, and they have got sicker. So I don't want you to think. That I, I don't own the Holy Spirit. He moves as he wills. And he does what he wants to do. I don't know why. It must have been the stewardess time to go that day on that airplane. And not the other guy. You know, I don't understand the inner workings or the full workings of the Lord. I don't know his ways fully. He does things that with, I think David said, some things are too high for us to attain. Gifts of healing by the same Spirit to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. And to another uh, different or kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. We've seen, we'll come back and kind of go through all these next week. But it's the one, the same Spirit who works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So it's not my will, it's the Spirit's will. We'll get back into that next week. And we'll see if we can wrap up in the next two weeks with this stuff. It's just a lot to cover when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all those that have joined us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to guide and direct our lives. We thank you for this moment we've had to be in your word, Lord. And we praise you for who you are. Thank all those that have joined us, those that will get this podcast. May you use these words to minister to them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.